Creek. When we try to pick out anything by itself, we find it hitched to everything else in the universe. John Muir. Litter was strewn over today's grid square like wrapping paper on Christmas morning. I didn't want to be disheartened by it on every outing, but nor did I want to not see these problems or accept them as normal and just shrug my shoulders. I live far from the cascades of contour lines, miles of moorland or rushing rivers that I relish. Could I really scratch my adventurous itch on this tame map, bereft of mountains, oceans or dragons? I doubted it this morning and wished I was exploring Siberia rather than suburbia and this odd ecotone, a transition area between the city, suburbs and countryside. Out of all the country's maps, mine was down in the rubbish relegation zone for adventure potential. But that also made this project a more universal one than if I lived, say, on map 402 in the scenic Scottish Highlands or map 24 in the Peak District. I would have preferred to try this experiment in lots of other places, but I suspect it is true for many of us that a perceived over-familiarity with where we live leads to either contempt or, at least, unseeing. We suffer from place blindness when we spend a lot of time in familiar environments without being observant. What might happen instead, I asked myself, if I worked on what Mary Oliver described in her poem Going to Walden as the slow and difficult trick of living? and finding it where I was. To cherish the changing seasons here, as I did when I was cycling across continents, and to relish the rough and ready back streets and everyday life, as I always did in foreign lands. Perhaps it might even help me to manifest a sense of belonging that I had been missing for such a long time. Lying on top of a loaded skip, was a four-foot painting of a waterfall, forest and mountains in a shiny gold-painted frame. When a leaky roof caused a homeowner in Toulouse to repair his attic in 2014, he discovered a lost painting by Caravaggio, valued at up to £100 million. Could this skip painting be my winning lottery ticket, an old masterpiece painting tossed out with the trash? Granted, the painting was not an easy picture to admire and the frame was particularly tacky. But I resolved to take my discovery home with me at the end of today's stroll and then retire to Monte Carlo. The estate of modern homes and flats where I found the painting stood on the site of one of England's first paper mills. Apart from the name of Paper Mill Lane and an artificially straightened river, there was no trace of the bustling riverside wharf that thrived here for centuries until closing with a loss of more than a hundred jobs and many more stories. In its place were these residential cul-de-sacs and an enormous supermarket transit depot. I learnt about the paper mill from an old chap who saw me photographing the skip, said hello and then poured forth a stream of proud facts about his neighbourhood like a territorial robin singing on the garden fence. That the river here used to be 60 feet wide and busy with boats. That Elizabethan bricks were tiny. 
that the historical site had been filled with foundation cement overnight by developers preempting archaeologists protesting the proposed residential development. That the street down there, he gestured to a row of smart old semis, had been for the mill managers. That the wrought iron fences ringing the street's trees were removed in the war to be turned into munitions. That he and his mates used to run across the road over there for dares, now a busy dual carriageway, until one of his mates misjudged it a bit and got killed. That another of his classmates robbed an abattoir and the police shot him dead. And that he then joined the marines to escape all this. I arrived with my hair down to here. They gave me a number one bus cut all over. That he climbed ropes, ran assault courses and came home to his mum on leave with knots of muscles and a new sense of hope for his life. It sorted me out, the marines did. I joined the fire brigade after that until I retired. But there's nothing for the kids to do here anymore. No youth clubs, no sports fields, even the churches are locked six days a week. Anyway, good luck to you, son. There's so much history for you to find around here. Merry Christmas, too. This week marked the midwinter solstice when the sun is at its lowest point in the sky and we have our shortest days and longest nights. Many modern Christmas traditions have their origins in the ancient midwinter celebrations. It has always been a time to hunker down and huddle round fires with our loved ones. I caught a whiff of apple shisha from an open window. The sweet smell of the smoke whisked me away from Christmas to Ramadan in Beirut. Memories of warm evenings strolling under palm trees along the seaside corniche. A long way then from the empty bowling club I was now peering at over a high fence. The neat green lawn held its own gentle appeal though, and I looked forward to being old enough to justify taking up the game. Opposite a shop advertising the ultimate in men's outsized clothing, I cut down a ginnel through some industrial units, past the sewage works and out onto flat fields by the dual carriageway and the distribution warehouses. It was a damaged and abandoned land, artificial and empty. There was nothing here. No nature, but no man-made purpose either. Soggy grass stretched thinly towards the riverbank, patterned by the skids and swerves of dirt bike tyres, crushed cider cans, a McDonald's sweet curry dip, whose ingredients began water, glucose fructose syrup, apricot puree concentrate, sugar, spirit vinegar, modified maize starch, artificial and empty. I followed a large metal pipe from the water treatment works to its discharge point in the creek. Nothing felt very Christmassy today. A fence was wrapped, not in tinsel, but in blue and white police tape that flapped in the chilly wind. Police line, do not cross! Graffiti on a concrete barrier urged, F Boris, big up NHS! Another cautioned, You aware Covid, Bill Gates hoax, plus 5G! <laughs> Even allowing for the many tenuous segues and questionable meanderings of these chapters, I couldn't bring myself to dive down the online depths of that zany conspiracy theory. The river flowed slowly under a bridge beneath the dual carriageway and I followed it out onto the marshland beyond the road. It felt as though I had crossed a boundary, passing from the scraggy edgeland out into a wilder, forgotten world. 
The river was about 10 metres wide and flowed straight through the flat marsh beneath strings of pylons and a clear blue sky. At high tide, it looked calm. By the end of my walk, the tide was falling fast, the water was murky and churning, and the banks were sheer, slippery, hazardous mud. This scrap of freshwater marsh, surrounded by industry, was a complex mixture of wet grassland, ditches and scrub. It was a haven for breeding and overwintering birds. Marsh harriers, bearded tits and warblers abound in the summer. There were rare wetland plants and an important population of the threatened water vole. Today, I saw flocks of wading birds, redshanks, lapwings, dunlins and oyster catchers. Grey lag geese and shell ducks grazed on the grass, while teals, widgeons and cormorants dried their wings in the sunshine. Clouds of terns rose as one as I walked past a flooded industrial excavation. They swirled in the breeze and then settled again on the water once they deemed me safe. I've grown to love birds in recent years, but still haven't got very interested in ducks, geese or gulls, even after relishing Adam Nicholson's book The Seabird's Cry about these windrunners and wind dancers. I'm not sure why. My unfair dismissal of seagulls may come from association with birds pinching my chips at the beach with scornful indifference and so seeming more like pests than freewheeling, free-living wind spirits. That prejudice was reinforced here when I turned left and followed a small creek up to the council's waste reception centre and transfer station. The tip, in plain English. I watched through a security fence as men in big diggers shunted heaps of stinking bin bags around and herring gulls squabbled over nappies and pizza boxes. One gull was trapped in the narrow space between two wire fences, unable to take off vertically enough to escape. I watched the bird flap in distress, but could not reach it to help. A heron took flight from the bays of rotting rubbish, also preferring the tip's easy pickings to the effort of organic hunting in the creek. The tempting distraction of cheap calories. The bird bent its spindly knees, flapped those six-foot grey wings, and launched itself skywards to circle away over the marsh. Seeing that huge, prehistoric-looking bird scarfing junk food on the tip dismayed me. It seemed undignified somehow. A sturdy wooden barge with tall wooden masts was moored a little further up the creek. I googled her name and learnt she was almost 150 years old. I wondered how she had ended up moored here next to the roar and stink of diggers and landfill. These sailing barges were common sights on the river for 500 years, being the largest vessel that just two men could handle. Their shallow draught made them ideal for nosing up narrow tributaries and creeks to the mills and small factories. I scampered across the dual carriageway back into residential streets whose windows shone with Christmas trees and fairy lights encouraging the return of the sun. A sign taped to a fence offered a reward for a missing grey parrot microchipped. A billboard advertised a church ministry where young and seasoned professionals are groomed to become urban missionaries in their careers and businesses. They display unique dimensions of divine excellency in the very heart of the marketplace. A small handwritten sign directed, Funeral flowers this way. 
and a naked plastic doll sat with outstretched arms on the roof of a garden shed. The doll stared down at me as I completed my circuit of the grid square, lifted the abandoned painting out of the skip and headed home for a mince pie or two, the daylight already leaking from the cold midwinter sky as the calendar year faded towards its close.